welcome to the family here on Purple Mafia. I'm your host, Peldino Joey, or Joey Awajan. Purple Mafia is available on thesportstuff.com, iTunes, Stitcher, and on Double Twist. I thank each and every one of you always for downloading and listening to the Purple Mafia show. Thank you very much for being on board today. Notice I'm not jumping in with the most excited voice and everything. Um, so, because it's a little more of a somber mood because of what took place. Uh, as you know, Dennis Green passed away Friday at the age of 67 due to cardiac arrest or heart attack, that type of thing. Cardiac arrest, ultimately. So, you know, type of thing I've always feared my whole life. You know, kind of runs in the family a little bit. So, try not to think about that too much. <laughs> just just saying, you know. Uh, that type of thing has always scared me to death. Um, but ultimately, Dennis Green, uh, a very historic figure in Minnesota Vikings history. A very debated figure in Minnesota Vikings history. Um, second winningest coach in the regular season, ultimately. Postseason success, debatable, you know, <laughs> at best, ultimately. Not here to bash him, but at the same time, I mean, you know, you, you got to have an honest opinion. you got to have an open mind. you got to be willing to not just uh, <laughs> jump in and say, oh my God, he was the greatest coach ever other than Bud Grant. Well, okay. I mean, you have a right to say that, but at the same time, other people have a right to have a slightly different opinion. Coming out and trashing a guy would be really dumb and pointless and all that, especially in this in, in these circumstances. I mean, age of 67, that ain't time to die. That's just time to retire, maybe. Not time to die. Just time to retire, sit back, relax in Florida, California, Alaska, wherever the hell you want to go, <laughs> that type of thing. Or of course, Dennis Green, originally from Iowa, all that. Uh, so, uh, big the big focus of today, in fact, most of it's going to be Dennis Green. This is going to be called the Dennis Green Show. Uh, we have training camp coming up very, very, very soon. It's just always right around my birthday, July 29th. And, of course, it's not about me. It's just the fact that it turns out around the same time. It's kind of funny. So, we'll hopefully have a training camp type of show. Maybe not to the uh, tune of the old days when I used to look at each position, all that. Maybe, maybe not. Um, I would like to do it. It's just a matter of can I do it, this and that. So, yeah, you get the idea. I don't want to ramble on too much about that. Ultimately, you didn't come here for that. Uh, And then, of course, we'll catch up on Facebook and Twitter. This shouldn't be the longest show ever because it's mostly, you know, I mean, there haven't been any major transactions or anything. It's about Dennis Green. Let's talk about good old Dennis Green, you know. Uh, He was a fun character, a voice you could just, you know, you could never forget the voice. I mean... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> How can you not love Dennis Green's voice? I mean, it's just hilarious. Um, you know, God bless the guy, honestly. He was indeed from Iowa, yes, sir, born February 17th, the same day as Michael Jordan. But, of course, uh, in this case, 11 years older than Michael Jordan. Or is it actually a bit more than that? What am I talking about? <laughs> I'm just like, my math is all ape crap right now. 14 years older than Michael Jordan. I don't know why I did that. I apologize. You know, February 17, 1949, and that's all my fault right there. I mean, I'm looking right at the number. It's not like I didn't know. But, uh, yeah, um, ultimately, and then died, of course, July 21st, 2016, officially. Again, from Iowa, ultimately, he played running back in college long, long ago with the, for the BC Lions in 1971, way back in the day. He was in high school in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. That's interesting as well. He actually was officially born in Pennsylvania, but grew up in Iowa, that type of thing. He's always been known as an Iwegian, I guess, over the course of his lifetime, <laughs> that type of deal. A very interesting career, ultimately, was a running backs and wide receivers coach in 1971 for Dayton. So right after his college career, only played one year in, as, as, a, as a running back, and then went to Iowa running backs coach 1974 to 1976 Stanford running backs coach 1977 to 1978 San Francisco 49ers so now it's over to California for Denny Green yes sir 1979 special teams coach there you go little Mike Prefer action going on and then right away Stanford also Northern California 1980 only one year offensive coordinator immediately becoming a head coach due to his offensive uh, <laughs> his offensive excellence Northwestern a school that hasn't that it just you know it's never really had a whole lot of success but he did have a good run there ultimately for that club uh, did not start well of course <laughs> winless record ultimately never had a great record there but he, it's like he did what he could ultimately 10 and 45 for Northwestern over the course of time there it's a kind of school not a whole lot of success really they really you really don't hear about Northwestern a whole lot and especially back then ultimately for big Denny Green <laughs> big Denny Green yep and then he went to San Francisco to coach the offense as the wide receivers coach 
to the, for the 49ers and it threw from 86 to 88. San Francisco 49ers got a Super Bowl ring along the way there in 1988 when the uh, 49ers defeated the Cincinnati Bengals. I talk about that Super Bowl all the time because that's the last time the Cincinnati Bengals won a playoff game. Yeah, so we're bouncing around there. Stanford head coach, much more success there, 89 to 91, 89 to 91, three years, started only three and eight for that club, and then quickly turning things around, five and six in 1990, and in 91, eight and four, lost the Aloha Bowl, ultimately, in that case, but tied for second in the conference, the Pac-10, as they like to call it. Crazy, when you look at his NCAA record, only 26 and 63, because of Northwestern, mostly, and the, you know, the, the crappy, uh, the crappy conditions of the program when he got there in 89, but a very, very, very quick turnaround in that case. Now, when he came to Minnesota, of course, there was uh, another candidate by the name of Pete Carroll, a very familiar candidate, but he wasn't the Pete Carroll we know today of the CLC chickens, Seahawks, Sea bleepity bleepers. We hate them with a passion. He's an obnoxious guy, but uh, at the same time, again, not much success with the Patriots and Jets. Went back to college. U.S. <laughs> went back to college, really, really stepped it up there in USC. Uh, unbelievable success winning a national championship. Totally changed everything. Went from kind of an overly timid guy to an extremely aggressive, crazy guy. <laughs> and it was the whole offense versus defense type of thing. You know, like the Jay Grudens versus the Mike Zimmers, that type of thing, those type of deals. Uh, we went with the offense side in Dennis Green in that case over Pete Carroll. Ultimately, the better hire at the time, ultimately. Uh, a team, though... You want to believe, uh-oh, did Dennis Green inherit a team that the way it needed uh, a, a, a team that was gutted and starting over? No, he did not inherit a team that was gutted and starting over, but they were still suffering the aftershocks of the worst trade in NFL history. We all know what it was, regardless if you were alive back then or not, which I, which I absolutely was alive back then. That, by, that, of course, Herschel Walker to the Vikings from, you know, to Dallas, uh, a trillion draft picks and players and all that. Not the best players in the world, but mostly the draft picks are what killed the Vikings in that case. Um, lots of interesting backlash during the course of Dennis Green's career as well. We'll talk about that shortly. But, um, boy, 1992 was a very exciting time. That's actually, I started watching the Vikings, even though I was old enough to have watched them in 85 till today. But unfortunately, I didn't start watching football officially until the Super Bowl of 91 when it was here in Minneapolis. Great Super Bowl that was, yeah. Meh. Mm. Buffalo, a team incapable of winning a Super Bowl, and the Redskins, a team I've just never liked. Yeah, never liked that team, and they had a backup quarterback in Mark Ripien. But it was like, okay, you know, the Twins won the World Series recently. I really want to become a bigger sports fan. Didn't realize just how much I was going to love football. Basically, immediately, the preseason of 1992, this this uh, new sheriff in town, this guy named Dennis Green with a funny voice, but a hell of a Looked like a hell of a coach, certainly starting things out, too. I mean, <laughs> at the time, it's like I, I knew so little about football and so little about Dennis Green. I was like, wow, he's this great defensive coach. Man, you know, the, the offense needs a little work because you got these unknown quarterbacks and such, a good running back and Terry Allen. But, man, this defense is just unbelievable. They're forcing turnovers, this and that. But, yeah, it kind of helped when Dennis Green hired a guy by the name of Tony Dungy who ended up becoming one of the greatest defensive coordinators ever, and of course an extremely successful head coach as well with the Indianapolis Colts and including the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, much to my chagrin. Um, immediate change on the defensive side of the ball for Dennis Green's club once Tony left, but a great hire there. Um, a very strong offense and a team that easily could have had an even better record if not for a couple of heartbreaking little losses there to the Houston Oilers and such. Yes, the Houston Oilers did exist back then and Warren Moon was the quarterback, all that. We broke his shoulder. I still remember that. A guy by the name of Chris Carter that Dennis Green took a chance on. Just fell in love with him immediately. A little known guy, but it was like every time the ball was thrown his way, he caught it, and it was a big play. And it was just so exciting. I mean, it's like I'm going down memory lane nonstop on this show today, folks. You know, you're getting the real Faladino Joey now. This is what I'm really all about. It's one thing to review regular season games one thing to paint a picture, which I enjoy doing, and I hope you enjoy as well. Maybe that's why you listen. But for me to go on memory lane during this time, it's pretty exciting and pretty fun. Um, we're here to reminisce today, ladies and gentlemen. That's what we're here to do. And that's in the past, I always kind of wanted to do that in the summertime. And unfortunate circumstances are putting me in that position right now. Uh, it's too bad that it had to be this type of circumstance. But what a fun season, 92, all this optimism. My God, what if we actually had a quarterback? <laughs> Yet at the same time, 
I was like, you know, this Rich Gannon guy, he's kind of fun to watch. It seemed like we were pretty successful with him in there. He's nothing spectacular, but he made things quite interesting, scrambling around, and he'd, 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 make the, he'd get these big first downs and you need them. But it seemed like the team favored Sean Salisbury, mediocre guy, never really liked him much. I don't, none of us really did either. But then it's like, okay, screw this uh, Rich Gannon guy. Let's bring in Jim McMahon, a veteran. Now we have a quarterback. Let's, let's get this done. And the Vikings go to 9-7. and seven. The defense was even better, but then, of course, it doesn't help when you're wide running your running back as an ACL tear. Things changed dramatically there. But all of us were still very much backing Dennis Green. We still believed very much. You know, hey, the running back was out. The running back was out. Dennis Green's a great coach. Here we go. Here we got things rolling here. And then at 94, you bring in Warren Moon. And it's like, Super Bowl. Where, where's the Super Bowl parade going to be? But then again, of course, you still got San Francisco and Dallas still on the planet at the time. Hmm. But again, where's the Super Bowl parade going to be? Not only do we have a quarterback, we have a Hall of Fame caliber quarterback. And this was the beginning. The beginning of the downtrend a bit for all of us that like Dennis Green. It's like, huh, why are we losing again in the playoffs? Of course, because the Vikings lost to the Redskins. Very disappointing loss, by the way, 24-7. to Vikings led 7 nothing in that game. Everything went snowball after that. A very close game in New York. Excuse me, it seemed like the Vikings... Very interesting history against the Giants in the, in the Meadowlands there, but heartbreaking loss. Chris Carter fumbling in that case. That's certainly not Dennis Green's fault. A, a slightly better team beating the Vikings, but then in, uh, again, 94, all this optimism, and then all of a sudden you get crushed by the Bears, or you swept during the regular season, but there's that whole three games, three times type of deal. A team to finish 10-6, and six, though, with that quarterback and that defense and Terry Allen back, I don't know. It bugged me. It bugged a lot of us. You start wondering, hmm, is this team playing up to the potential? And then you have 95. Warren Moon has a great, great season, statistically. But overall, just things weren't the same. Vikings finished 8-8. Eight and eight. You wonder what's going on with that. I, I, I don't know. And the defense wasn't as good. The running game, the running defense was strangely not as good. It was weird, especially in 96. But that's when Tony Dungy left to go coach the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, much to our chagrin. None of us were happy about that. And it was amazing how bad the defense was. And you start to see just how one-sided Dennis Green was pretty much from here on after that. <laughs> was he a great coach overall, or was he more one-sided? I would have to say he was one-sided, wouldn't you? 8-8, uh, eight and eight, though, 9-7 nine and seven and, nine, and 96 after the Vikings opened the season, 8-2. and two, You have a collapse like that. Dennis Green literally was on the verge of getting fired. The Vikings miraculously sneak into the playoffs, beating a horrendous Indianapolis Colts team in 97. Horrible team. Horrible non-factor. They beat them in the dome, and yay, we're in the playoffs. Cool. After Chris Carter jumping in the stands for the first time, it was the first dome leap you ever saw. <laughs> I still remember all that so well. And then the Vikings pull off a miracle in the Meadowlands. That's what they called it. You had the uh, you had the onside kick. The Vikings survive. You had Eddie Murray as the field goal kicker. Guy was, so old. Guy was in his 40s already. All that. <laughs> And Dennis Green was going to get fired if the Vikings lost that game, but then, okay, an onside kick saves everything, and then you have 98. What happened in 98? I don't know. You, you tell me what happened in 98. I, 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 that year is kind of a haze to me. I, I forgot. I forgot. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's like... <laughs> It's like, I don't want to just turn this into memory lane. It's got to be more about Dennis Green. I, I you know, but uh, again, it's like all of us that doubted Dennis Green and all that. It's like, wow, may, maybe he really is a great coach after all. But a lot of circumstances went the right way in that season. Um, when you have your starting quarterback and Brad Johnson get hurt, and you have Cunningham come in and play as well as he did, but you also have Dennis Green make the move. I mean, somebody was going to have to pick up Randy Moss at some point. He was supposed to go in the top five. Vikings end up getting him again, like I said, 21st overall in the draft. And on we go. And bombs away for us, ultimately. <laughs> you have all this incredible success. You have, an, you have a wonderful offensive coordinator in Brian Billick, a guy who had also been debated as well in town. Pardon me, I was trying not to sneeze there, so <laughs> if you noticed me, kind of, kind of sorry about that. Um, but you saw the deep ball. You saw something you never saw before. You saw a, a situation where you could just hoist the ball up and the guy would catch it. And that's that's Randy Moss. Just unbelievable success rate. Vikings, you already had Chris Carter. You had Jake Reed. Um, amazing success with Warren Moon in 94-95. Continued success with Brad Johnson 96-97. But now it's just boom. And then, of course, Jake Reed 
definitely, uh, Jake Reed definitely uh, kind of phased out, unfortunately, in that case. He was kind of the odd man out because of that, because you can, you can only get the ball. There's only one football with three people. That's another thing Dennis Green definitely uh, told everybody. There's only one football. It's all about team, this and that. You have all these motivating speeches that people liked, and eventually later on they started laughing at. That was the sad part, and that's what happened in 2001, ultimately, in that case. But an amazing, successful season. Dennis Green lost all that weight. He was walking around the lake. I believe it was Lake Calhoun, possibly. I'm, I think that's what it was, because that's where he lived at the time. Because um, you know, it's not like you're going to go and find out where Dennis Green lives, that type of thing. But he lost a ton of weight because he said he was walking around the lake at the time. Looked great, and the team was motivated. He had a 15-1 season. Our only loss was to the hated Buccaneers. And then, uh, and then of course, in 90, 98, ultimately, you, you just roll through the Cardinals, no problem. You have this big lead against Atlanta at, at the halftime, and you have the fumble, this and that. Later on, the biggest question mark of Dennis Green's career uh, was taking a knee as the, the Falcons were able to force the Vikings into overtime and all that. Uh, Vikings taking a knee rather than having a chance to score even just a field goal before going to overtime. Big question mark. You always wonder what was Dennis thinking? What was Denny thinking there? That's an infamous uh, infamous question mark on his record, unfortunately, for those of you out there. But um, you had all that. You had 99. It's like you had your chance in 98 and then 99 comes. Things start off so poorly. Reynolds Cunningham wasn't the same guy. And then Dennis Green just kind of had this vision of let's just stay the course on, you know, don't give up on the season. We're over two and four, but you still have another quarterback if uh, Cunningham wasn't going to work out. Dennis Green kept his hand to the plow, as he'd like to say. And this is where his positive attitude really made him look like a great coach, or at least a very good coach at the time, even though the defense continued to get worse and worse and worse, noticeably, from 96 to <laughs> 96 to the end of his run. It just continually got worse. The one-sidedness of Dennis Green's uh, coaching style and uh, personnel, of course, once he became the vice president of operations after the 98 season, when Jeff Nyman left, um, you saw you saw a team that, that could score points but couldn't stop anybody, and it continued to be an ongoing frustration for all of us here in town. But Dennis Green did stay the course, and the Vikings ended up going 10-6, and six, finishing the season 8-2, and two going to the playoffs, looking with all this promise, and of course you run into the Rams, blah, blah, blah. Let's just move on from that. <laughs> Thing, that did not go well. The Rams were on their miracle run. They had their 98 season, and they ended up winning the Super Bowl. Again, let the jealousy begin there. 2000 was an unbelievably fun season. It didn't finish well. You know, you get the idea. 41 Donut, people continuing to say. And then Dennis Green's popularity continuing to go on a downtrend, people saying that we're never going to win a Super Bowl with Denny Green, this and that. And then in 2001, you have <laughs> a complete fallout after the death of Corey Stringer. Dennis Green, they say, wasn't the same. And, you know, behind the scenes, just wasn't the same guy. Uh, and, you know, I don't know how you can be the same guy when one of your favorite guys dies on the field in, in uh, training camp. Very difficult situation. Seemed to handle it well at the time, but then during the season, things just went downhill, and then ultimately Dennis Green was fired one week before the end of the season, finished the year 5-10 and 10 in his case, and then Mike Tice took, takes over as the interim, and they lose to Baltimore in a nondescript uh, you know, season-ending game, that type of deal. And that was the end of Dennis Green. Um, but things to note, ultimately, with Dennis Green, well, he was uh, the coach of the Vikings. Were that, uh, you know, he, he didn't like the media very much. Early on, he had this, uh, early on, he had this whole honeymoon period, and then you come in to the 94, 95 season, people starting to question him a little bit, and then you have the whole uh, sexual harassment in the background, sexual harassment accusation that never came to fruition, luckily for him. Not sure exactly what happened there. Nobody really knows except the people involved, I suppose. It never really was resolved one way or the other that we know of, ultimately. Um, it just kind of got quiet. And then you have 97, the whole situation. As we can get into the famous Dennis Green quotes, basically, the whole famous Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay deal in 97. That was when Dennis Green was a possible fire candidate. I mean, of course, if you go 0-5 in the playoffs, of course you're going to get fired. i got to think. I mean, I would have thought he should have been fired after 96 at that time. But who knows? Who knows what history would have been in that case? But... Um, 
know, the Vikings were 0-4 after 96. I think a lot, a lot of people would have agreed with that. But, you know, when you have Ed McDaniel out for the season, that didn't help either. Another uh, uh, training camp ACL deal like Terry Allen way back in 93. Uh, so it's like circumstances are what they were at the time. Uh, but no room for crybabies, uh, ultimately accusing the owners of basically of racism and such, and he's going to demand that uh, he's able to buy a part of the team from the, the gang of 10, that type of deal, kind of buy a couple of them out so he can be an owner of the team, that type of deal. Those type of accusations, they're not good. And then, of course, the media, namely Dan Barrero locally, <laughs> asking uh, Dennis Green about the book, kind of pressuring him the, ga- uh, the week before a Tampa Bay game or the, during the week of a Tampa Bay game, and he just said, Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay. <laughs> or should I say, Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay, that type of deal. That's one of his famous quotes. Uh, just a very crazy history with this guy all over the place with the media. Uh, ultimately, though, again, like I was saying earlier, uh, rescued by the onside kick, basically, against the, the Giants in the Meadowlands. And then the rest was history there. You never really heard about that. Red McCombs bought the team, so you didn't have to worry about uh, the gang of 10 firing Dennis Green anymore because Red McCombs was the owner, seemed to like him at the time. And, of course, things went the direction they did much later on in that case. It, interesting book. I never officially read it, but interesting uh, conversations all over it. <laughs> You've heard parts of it. Uh, I can't get too much into it, though, overall, ultimately, other than that, uh, the scandal part of it in there, alleging the, the racism and the ownership. Oh, boy, lots of back and forth of that one. Ultimately, uh, the proof is going to be in the pudding. That was one that was funny over uh, over the course of time. You had the infamous uh, loss, and <laughs> I loved it. <laughs> uh, well, I didn't lose, I didn't like the loss, but I but the reaction. It's just come on. <laughs> when uh, Jimmy Hitchcock bit on Brett Favre's uh, fake in Lambeau Field in 1999, the Vikings were hoping to to do another uh, miracle victory against the Packers after the wonderful one in 98. How can you forget that? Uh, we talk about it so much that I didn't even bring it up earlier already on this show, but um, it was Jimmy Hitchcock bid on the play, and then the Packers scored the game-winning touchdown to Antonio Freeman, and then as Dennis Green's basically walking off the field or into the press conference and such, they ask him about it, what happened there, and all Dennis Green says, well, we're not talking about that. That's the past. <laughs> and we're, we're not discussing that right now. That's the past. And it's like you hear that all the time in press conferences whenever I listen. I'd be like, this guy, come on, man. <laughs> and I know you want to focus on the positivity and all that. But, geez, I mean, it just happened. Okay. You know, it was kind of funny. <laughs> Stuff like that. Famous quotes like that would crack you up, ultimately. Uh, the Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay one again. The most famous of all, I gotta think. Uh, yesterday's news is his way of saying it's okay. Yep, that was uh, that was the '99 game. Ultimately, they don't even, you know, when you look at this. I mean, it's like I remember the game more than most of those of these people out here. When you look at these references, ESPN is one of the references. Uh, of course, the really famous one when he went on to be the coach of the Arizona Cardinals was the Bears were who we the Bears were what we thought they were what we thought they were. Uh, that was pretty funny as well. How can you not uh, love that? Again, I'll apologize if you hear any background noise. I pray to God you don't, but I have a fan in the background because I'm hot as hell right now. So, please. <laughs> it's about the content. I mean, I like to give good audio quality, but sometimes i got to stay cool a little bit. Otherwise, I'm going to pass out. So, <laughs> But, um, man, I mean, and it's like I'm all over the place right now, and I, and I can't help it because there's so much history, so much stuff. You, you get to something and you go, oh, yeah, and, and this, too. So that's kind of what we're here for today, ultimately. And, of course, we'll get to your comments on the Facebook page, and we'll backtrack to them on the next show as well, because hopefully there'll be more than, uh, than I have at this point, ultimately. Um, that 2006, though, Dennis Green ultimately was fired from the Arizona Cardinals after that season, unfortunately, and then basically went on to coach a little bit in Arena League football with Dante Culpepper in the late 2000s. Um, but an interesting run with the Cardinals, I suppose. He's the one that brought in Kurt Warner. And then a couple of years later, the Cardinals were in the Super Bowl. How about that? I mean, isn't that funny? So 
Obviously, the guy has an eye for offensive talent. Uh, he drafted Larry Fitzgerald. He brought in Kurt Warner. Saw that there was still talent in the guy. He thought Kurt Warner was all wrapped up with the New York Giants. Just, just washed up. Can't play anymore. And then what did he do with Arizona? He was pretty much better. He was better with the Arizona Cardinals than he was at the St. Louis Rams in 91 and 2001. Just unfrickin' believable. Really liked him. Uh, like with that, what Kurt Warner was able to accomplish there under Ken Wisenton ultimately. But again, a nice recruit for Dennis Green. Smart uh, offensive eye for talent. It's just a shame he couldn't have a defensive eye for talent as well. Or at least have people in here that could. You had Tony Dungy. And then, of course, that moved on. And then he pretty much, unfortunately, one of the big flaws for Dennis Green. Uh, um, before I read another quote here, I'm staring right at it. And everybody knows it. That at least was around back in those days. Um, a couple of them. Three of them that I'm staring at now. Uh was the fact that he would not bring in big-name assistants. That's a problem. Um, and it almost seemed like a problem with Leslie Frazier as well. It seemed like he was kind of scared to bring in somebody that might, oh, man, he might replace me as coach. Where Dennis Green wasn't necessarily afraid of being replaced as coach, but afraid, afraid to be questioned, almost like I'm a legend. And that was one of the faults of Dennis Green as a coach, ultimately, as far as I'm concerned. You had Tony Dungy and Brian Billick, and you had a great, you had a great coaching staff, a great coaching tree. And then after that, you had Ray Sherman in 99. Ray Sherman. I mean, Ray Sherman was terrible. You don't like Bill Musgrave? Ray Sherman? I mean, did was there an offense? I mean, you have an offense with that much talent, and that's what you get out of it. I don't know, man. I mean, there was, there was just nothing to talk about with Ray Sherman. And he, he was fired from the Pittsburgh Steelers the year before because he was such a terrible offensive coordinator. Now, he was a quarterback coach of the Vikings at the same time, or earlier on. But for goodness sakes, I mean, <laughs> it was pretty bad. It was ultimately a really, really, really bad situation when you think about it. Um, too many Christmas. I mean, you bring in these guys. Uh, now, Emmett Thomas, to be fair, was decent. He was brought in in 2000, along with uh, Sherman Lewis, if I'm saying it correctly. Yeah, Sherman Lewis, the uh, offensive coordinator. He was okay. He was an okay offensive coordinator, better than Ray Sherman. He had much more success. Emmett Thomas was decent as a defensive coordinator for the Minnesota Vikings. There were always, before that, there were even rumors of bringing in Ray Rhodes. How exciting would that have been? But that didn't come to fruition. But Emmett Thomas, when the uh, Green Bay Packers fired their coaching staff, they fired Ray Rhodes and all of them. And then Emmett Thomas is available. Here he comes to coach the Vikings defense. Not too bad, not too great, but uh, a really good position coach is Emmett Thomas in the secondary. That type of deal. Um, but it seemed like he was scared to bring in anybody that would possibly, possibly question Dennis Green, and it seemed like that was kind of the same relationship he had with the media. Anybody that would question him, he'd basically get pissed off and kind of walk away, and that was it. We're not going to discuss that right now! And I always loved that, and I, I got entertained from it, but at the same time, it, it got annoying, and it, weared on, it, it wore on me. Now, the one-sidedness is what I didn't like, Again, offense, all, all offense, no defense. And, of course, the, the attitude that wore on me, the accountability seemed to get on my nerves a little bit. Okay, and at the same time, he was protecting his players, and that's why they loved him so much. Robert Smith, notably, who's been on Dan Barrero recently, of course, uh, looked at Dennis Green as a father figure. Uh, Robert Smith, of course, the running back that the Vikings took in 1993. De uh, Dennis Green was one of the people that helped that happen. Uh, a risky pick, a guy who... Seemed to have a problem with ACLs. It kind of got ridiculous. <laughs> but Dennis Green stuck with him. And he was a hell of a running back when he was available. And by the late 90s, it really paid off because the guy finally started staying healthy. And then he's like, okay, I'm out of here. After 2000, after the devastating loss, he was one of those running backs that quit at age 29. Never even played when he was 30, just like uh, the Barry Sanders. And, of course, uh, yeah, Barry Sanders did that. And, of course, uh, uh, Megatron did that as a wide receiver this year due to concussions where Robert Smith avoided it. He wanted to be able to walk when he's 45, 40, whatever. And Barry Sanders was frustrated with the directions of the Lions, and he couldn't imagine himself on another team, that type of deal. So uh, people leave for different reasons. Robert Smith, uh, ultimately, maybe he saw the writing on the wall that Dennis Green wasn't going to be the coach much longer as well. Saw him as a father figure. Very cool, indeed. Smith had a very, very difficult upbringing, with a, which he, he said himself. Now, this is not me saying that. He said his father was a I mean, he he was a he was a gangster. Um, he was a legitimate gangster, and there's just <laughs> Robert. That, that's what I like about Robert Smith. He's not afraid to say things um, that might sound controversial, that type of deal. So, 
certified gangster, whatever the word is. Um, so Dennis Green was a father figure that meant a lot to him, and that's very cool also. So let's get to the quotes really quick before I get any less of a mess here. Uh, the the three Fs. Yep, you heard this a million times, and you've heard this in sound bites if you listen to KFAN the last twenty years. That faith, family, and football. Yep, and I'm doing a terrible imitation. I used to be really good at it. Uh, carry your own water. I was uh, he told that to Randy Moss. Uh, Green's estimation: every player needs to carry your own water. That's good. Um, of course, the Bears are what we thought they were. That's a really old one. All kinds of. Uh, Oh, yeah, there we go. Stay on the high road. Yep, hands on the plow and stay on the high road. And he used that in his uh, his exit press conference. He was obviously very, very pissed off the day he was fired. You could hear it in his voice, and he wasn't going to take any questions. And he said, you got any questions, give them to Red McCombs. That's his job. Blah, 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 that type of thing, ultimately. Um, but uh, some of the accountability got on people's nerves, that type of thing. It, it, it was kind of funny, though, which I was trying to talk about earlier, and I just kind of jumped into the rest of the story here. Um, it seemed like this town couldn't wait for Dennis Green to get fired back in 2001, and now it's almost like just about everybody out there doesn't even remember feeling that way. It's kind of weird. Now, I'm not saying, to, again, I'm not saying to bash him and call him this and that in this in this circumstance. Hell no. Hell no, am I going to do that? And hell no, do I encourage that? I would, I would, I would rebuke you if you did it. But just saying, it, it's kind of strange how so many of the media figures in this town as well were almost like he was a great coach. He really changed the history of this team, that type of thing. Uh, I find it a little strange, but again, it's okay. You have a right to your opinion. <laughs> he did help, yes, and ultimately, figuratively and all that, he did help build that stadium, U.S. Bank Stadium, which if schedule permits, I'll be able to see very, very soon here in the next couple of weeks. <laughs> if the schedule permits, <laughs> I'll be able to see it. Um... Yeah, I mean, he, he did help change the history a bit with the Vikings, with the positivity. But again, at the same time, he did uh, inherit some really good players. John Randall was already on the roster. Chris Carter, he helped bring in. That was good. Um, and he got rid of a lot of veterans who were underachieving in the 1980s under Jerry Burns, that type of thing, the Keith Millards and such. Much to a lot of people's uh, chagrin, Joey Browner, guys like that who went on to last for a little while, but not forever. He inherited Randall McDaniel, guys like that. Um, Randall McDaniel, what an unbelievable player. You had Jeff Christie and others kind of develop under Dennis Green. Um, not uh, not just Dennis Green, but obviously the offensive line coaches along the way. Man, I mean, interesting coaching tree under Dennis Green. You had uh, Mike Tice go on to be a head coach with the Vikings and uh, offensive coordinator with the Bears and such. And You had, again, Brian Billick go on win a Super Bowl with the Baltimore Ravens. You had... Tony Dungy go on you have a very successful coaching career with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and a Super Bowl championship coaching career with the Indianapolis Colts. A team with a great offense comes in, great defensive coach, gets the defense good enough, and bam, the Indianapolis Colts finally get through that, get through the uh, the wall and win a Super Bowl, at least one <laughs> under Tony Dungy, and then he retires not long after that. He retired very young, ultimately. Uh, but you have two coaches win a Super Bowl under him, and unfortunately Green could not quite get it done. Very unfortunate for all of us, Randy Moss included, mentioning that recently. That was the one thing that Dennis just didn't get. He couldn't get that Super Bowl and didn't even get there, ultimately. Again, not meaning that as a bash. It's just an unfortunate fact that the Vikings could not get past that doggone NFC Championship game and Brad Childers couldn't do it either. Um, Ultimately, firing Dennis Green for Mike Tice ultimately was not a remedy for the franchise. The uh, team did not do better under Mike Tice than it did under Dennis Green. And that's unfortunate. So I'm not up here, again, to bash Dennis Green. I'm not. Um, the success rate under Brad Childress was horrendous until you bring in a super team, basically, and you had a defensive line develop the way it did. But then the Vikings could not get it done. Definitely not Brad Childress's fault, though, with that interception. But the play call was stupid. <laughs> the play call was stupid, though. we got to be honest about that. Why are we not just running the ball and kicking the field goal? Why are we forcing a pass? Why are we calling for a passing play, that type of thing? Again, slightly off topic, but again, if you're talking about Vikings coaches and their success rates, Dennis Green is, is high on the list, without a doubt. Um, ultimately, if all goes well, I do think Mike Zimmer will be the second, that most of you will be calling him the second best coach of the Minnesota Vikings. But so far, Dennis Green is the second best coach of the Minnesota Vikings, ultimately. So I will 
be fair about that. I got beat up a bit on Facebook for saying I didn't like him as a coach. Didn't particularly like him as a coach, but I'm saddened by his death. I apologize for putting that as the headline. At the end, I should have said at the end, I didn't like him as a coach. The first five or so years, I did like him as a coach. I did. But the attitude and the one-sidedness kind of turned me against him a bit, unfortunately. And I know a lot of you out there that were around during that time agree. Uh, Ultimately, though, again, God bless Dennis Green, his family, his wife, his career, his entertaining personality, whether you liked it or not. God bless him. And we will give Dennis Green a moment of silence. God bless you, Dennis Green. Keep that hand on the plow. Looking straight forward. <laughs> uh, unforgettable. Un- unforgettable personality, in quotes. Uh, the Calcutta Clipper. <laughs> Only Dennis Green could say that. The Calcutta Clipper. Calcutta is India, man. It's pretty hot there. So he was trying to say the Alberta Clipper, but it just came out wrong. Whatever. You know, okay, well, we'll let you pass on that one, Dennis Green. We'll let you pass on that one. <laughs> Doesn't It didn't really hurt anybody. It was just entertaining, you know, as I try not to cough to death. Now, I hope... I hope this was an interesting, I hope this was a sufficient uh, conversation about Dennis Green. I hope I wasn't too critical. I hope I wasn't too milk toast either. I'm trying to give you an honest opinion and an honest review on the man's coaching career with the Minnesota Vikings, ultimately. It, it was funny, though, how a lot of people did want him out of town at the end. And, it, 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 you know, that's the part that I keep coming back to. It's just kind of weird how money people wanted him out of town and then it's like the same people now are like oh yeah really good coach and it does kind of look i guess uh, hindsight is twenty twenty, like when the gophers fired uh glenn mason glenn mason was this glenn mason was that no success and then you bring in tony bleep or what am i talking about tony <laughs> tim brewster i mean i'm like bouncing everywhere tony brewster i'm like thinking about somebody else yeah i don't even want to think about that part tony shyster right oh what a thief but then again <laughs> tim brewster was a pretty big uh, thief as well. So it's like, you know, it's one of those. You have your success rates, but you can't win the big one, that type of deal, with Glenn Mason. Then you bring in Brewster, and it's like, oh, crap. Now, I'm not comparing Mike Tice to Brewster, because no way. That would be like Rich Kotite or something like that. I mean, I think Mike Tice was better than uh, Leslie Frazier, quite frankly. And, you know, he might have even been better than Childress, even though Childress may have slightly more accomplished than uh, Mike Tice. Ah, it's all debated. It just shows the three coaches after Mr. Dennis Green were not very good. So it's just one of those hindsight apparently has kind of made a lot of people that hated Dennis Green, wanted him out of here, change their mind a bit. But then luckily, thank God, you have a guy by the name of Mike Zimmer, who I think ultimately, when all is said and done, will be the second best coach in Vikings history. Maybe even the best. Maybe even the best. I think he could be that good. I'm still, I mean, how can you not be that excited? But of course, with a team that's been around for 54 years, 55 years actually now, this is the 55th season, um, how can you not be uh, 56th season? Gosh, my math is getting stupid. 56th season, ultimately, you know, you, when you have all that history, you can't jump on that too quick saying the guy's the best coach in franchise history or going to be, but the possibility does exist, and it's very exciting. So that's a positive note to kind of, walk out of here ultimately but Dennis Green again thank you for the memories I literally grew up with the guy didn't I I was 13 years old only 13 freaking years old and this this guy but then this this guy Dennis Green with his promising football team with veterans and young players made us dream made us believe that this team could go to the Super Bowl and it seemed like during his whole tenure I believed that the Vikings could make the Super Bowl almost every season 92 93 yet all this Oh, 94, 98, oh my God. 96, 97, you didn't really think it, but it's like, okay, you hope against hope maybe the team will, will overachieve. Maybe Brad Johnson's the next friend, Tarkenton, that type of thing, which he wasn't, but he was a pretty good quarterback later on. Um, you get the idea. I've been dragging this a bit longer than I maybe hoped, but then again, it's Dennis Green. It's 92 to 2001. That's a long time. That's a long time. 10 years of Dennis Green coaching this team. A lot of history, lots of good, lots of bad, lots of emotions, positive, negative, hope. (laughs) I won't even use the word change. I don't even want to go there, right? (laughs) But it was a change in regime, I suppose, from Jerry Burns to Dennis Green, that type of thing at the time. So 
with that, we'll wrap things up. I'm just rambling now. Hope I'm not boring you to death. Let's wrap this up, and we'll get to Twitter and Facebook, and call it a show, and on to training camp we go. We are back here on Purple Mafia, segment number two for fan interaction. Of course, this show is breaking down into only two segments this time of year. So we'll start with Twitter, at Purple Mafia Show, at Purple Mafia Show is how to get to that. I'll mention the call-in line really quick. It's 209-736-7877, 209-736-7877. It is a voicemail. Do treat it as such. Mention you're calling in for Joey or Purple Mafia and Opine. <laughs> Statement, shout-out, question, comment, whatever it is. And, of course, uh, if you're out of the United States, you can use your voice recorder on your smartphone, smart device, whatever it is. <laughs> and do a recording, of course, about a minute, two minutes, whatever it is, just like the calls. And email it to paladinolive at yahoo.com, paladinolive at yahoo.com. You will see the email in the show description if you're wondering, how the heck do I spell that? So, there you go. Uh, Sam Gupta on the Twitter account. Tells me, happy July 4th. Hope you're getting ready to watch some fireworks, because that was at that time. Uh, great show on the 14th, and thanks for the mention. And you're very welcome, Sam. Been very, very loyal listener. Really appreciate you. God bless you. Um, it's at BeagleBreath. At BeagleBreath is his uh, Twitter account. And I do believe, yep, Tanae Brown retweeted the uh, Purple Mafia show from episode number 214. Really, really appreciate you. Tanae is out of New Zealand. Just wonderful guy. Wonderful guy, and you hear his voice on Timberwolves Explosion, the most recent one, actually. Um, he'll record on occasion and possibly even be a show, uh, co-host at times. Just a, just a great guy. Hopefully get Marcus the Forecaster on, too, one of these days. I don't know. It seemed like, seemed like he's kind of getting kind of ball and chained more than I am. So mm, that's just how it goes. So that's the Twitter. Very short and sweet, I suppose. To the Facebook page is facebook.com forward slash purple mafia show. Facebook.com forward slash purple mafia show. We always like to pick up where we left off. So when I recorded the or posted about episode 214 being out, the draft catch up, 2016 draft catch up, Gerald String out of Nebraska says, and I want to get the whole thing up. There we go. Says, was very cool to see the latest show is out. And as you mentioned, just so happened I did have to head out on another road trip today to Valentine, Nebraska. Since there's hardly any cell service out there, got to listen to the whole show practically uninterrupted. However, <laughs> just to set the record straight, though, I am in no way higher up than a truck driver. Other than the missionary and military, there isn't much higher calling than those awesome folks. If it wasn't for my trustworthy trucking buddies, there wouldn't be any business trips for me. They are worth their weight in gold to us all. I am very jacked up about the draft picks and Vikings this year. Starting to get to the point, we have very few holes and some great depth. It's just like a kid at Christmas. A little kid at Christmas. Can't wait for the season to start. That was a great post, Gerald. You are a star candidate for that one. Um, couldn't agree more about the truck drivers. They're the backbone of America, my friend. Backbone of America. Just like just like the, the Midwest is, the, is, the, is the, the heart of America. You know what I'm saying? So, God bless you, Gerald. You know, you're, you're a big part of it as well, my friend. And that was a very... Dennis Green, um, player coach uh, commentary right there. How the players loved him. You know, I bet the truckers just love you, Gerald. I bet they do. And, and you know, that, that's a team effort right there. A team effort. <laughs> so I just stick to my post first. The little threads I posted. There's only one more, and that's Dennis Green. That's when things get real interesting. Um, somebody kind of calling me out a little bit at the beginning. Uh, or semi-beginning. Um, and then I'll get to the visitor post and wrap up the show. So not going to be too long this time around, though it's not that short either. We're already about three quarters of an hour here. So, of course, Dennis Green um, Sports Center was the uh, article in this one. Dennis Green, 1949 to 2016. And I put this, I admittedly didn't like him as a coach, but this is very sad news. So many memories. R.I.P. Denny. And yeah, like I talked about in the first segment, uh... I should have said, yeah, I should have worded it a little differently, and that kind of seemed to generate a little bit of, a little bit of angst, a little bit. Whereas I did like him the first five years, really. I actually swore by him the first five years or so, and then it's just oh six oh seven, you know, kind of the, the just getting lo- just losing in the first round again, and it's just being like this team's not going anywhere, and the whole 
bull crap as we got into the 2007. Uh, why did I call it 2007? It was 96 and 97. <laughs> yes, I'm that old. Yes, yes, that was 20 freaking years ago. Drew Bunting. This is, I believe, his first post on Purple Mafia because I did add him recently, but a good friend of Sebastian Ball's, good friend of mine now as well, out of the Northern California San Jose area. I uh, said, strange, you didn't like him as a coach. I've always felt, besides Bud Grant, he's our second best coach. Rest in peace, easy, Danny Green. Um, yeah, I... Second best record-wise, yes, postseason four and eight. It's just, that's the stuff that kind of bugged me a little bit. I mean, you know, and you'll hear my comparison later on. I even, I believe I did, it's like I'm blanking already on what I said in the first time, but isn't that a joke? <laughs> I believe I mentioned the Marty Schottenheimer part, but I'll get back to that after Paul Jones kind of got me going here. I hope he didn't unfollow, but from this post, it sounds like he doesn't, uh, I'm guessing he doesn't even listen to the show because he just thinks of this as a uh, Facebook page, not as a uh, Purple Mafia podcast. He just thinks it's a Facebook page. It's a show, buddy. It's a show. Hopefully he's actually listening, though. Um, I will note, though, <laughs> I do like his uh, Facebook profile a lot. His photo profile picture. I'll just, in case he's listening and somebody else notices it. I like it a lot, and I agree with what it stands for. <clears throat> yes, 100%, actually. 100%. Okay. He says, just mentioned on the Paul Allen show on KFAN, Dennis Green is the second best coach in Minnesota Vikings team history if you go by wins and losses. And he also went to eight playoff appearances in the 11 season, including two NFC title games. Now I'll stop there for a second. KFAN is not the gospel, my friend. It's not the gospel. I don't care what KFAN says. This is the Purple Mafia show. So (laughs) just because they said it doesn't mean they're 10 times like, you know what I'm saying? Doesn't make him the second best coach in history just because he had good regular seasons. Now, of course, <laughs> NFC title games, well, they were supposed to get there, for crying out loud. They were they had the bye in the first round. I mean, and they're playing cream puffs, my friend, cream puffs. The New Orleans Saints were not up to the Vikings in 2000, and the Arizona Cardinals were sure as hell not up to the Vikings in, two, in 1998. So we actually won games we're supposed to, which is good, unlike the Washington game, <laughs> unlike the Chicago game in 94, Washington game in 92. So, I mean, don't get me started, my friend. Don't get me started. <laughs> and God bless you. This is not a rant. This is it's a whole part of the show, right? And no, I'm not acting here. This is all real. This is radio. You got to be, if you're willing to dish out, you got to be willing to take too, my friend. And I'm willing to take and I'm going to dish out, damn it. I don't, he says, I don't know about you, but as someone who has a Minnesota Vikings fan, uh, Minnesota Vikings page on Facebook. This is the part that kind of, yeah. You would think that a coach that has been recognized by Vikings players and Vikings owners, you would think you'd be a little bit more excited about that. I would think. I would think I have my own opinion. <laughs> I would think I have my own opinion, and I would think you have your own opinion. That's about it right there, but I'll continue. <laughs> and I'll show what I wrote as well. I also was saying nobody ha- yeah, I mean, nobody has to be forced to have the same opinion as anybody else. I liked him as a coach the first five years or so, but the attitude wore on me, my friend. It wore on me. Plus, he was very one-sided, all offense, no defense. Plus, and I did mention this in the first segment as well, but a little bit more animated this time around. We have to understand that regular season is one thing and postseason is another He's very similar to Marty Schottenheimer, as far as I'm concerned. He was a good coach, but not a great coach. And not the most likable guy ever, either. Now, unfortunately, Paul Jones did not respond again. I don't know if I scared him away, if I pissed him off, if I if I made a good point and he figured, okay, good point. He just, uh, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I, these days... People just get pissed off and unfollow your page or whatever when you come when you say anything that isn't 100% agree with what they said, and I didn't apologize and beg him at his feet to forgive me. So uh, hopefully you're a listener. Hopefully you're still following the page. It's nothing personal, but it's it's this is the name of the game. I mean, that's the name of the game. We're giving opinions. Just like you gave yours, I don't have to agree with it. You don't have to agree with what I say. Drew Bunting didn't agree with it either necessarily either, but I didn't word it so good at the beginning, so I do apologize for that. Uh, I said, I won't say he didn't give me good memories, and not for a second do I not feel sad at this point with his death. Yeah, I mean, I I am very sad with the death. I mean, it it brings back a lot of memories, and, you know, you don't want to see somebody die before they're 70 years old, for crying out loud. My goodness, you don't want to see them die after they're 70, you know? You you just don't. Um, And I say, your opinions are warranted and well accepted here, and they are. But this whole you would think stuff is getting on my nerves, and it was. It was getting on my nerves. And I'm sorry if I'm reading what I wrote, but it's just, 
you're getting the feeling. You're getting the feeling how I said it, you know? Because sometimes stuff is misinterpreted when you type it out. Now you're getting the feeling. You're, you're hearing the emotion behind it. Drew Bunting and I had a little back and forth. He says, let's just all agree he was a better head coach than Les Steckel. Hell, I'm a better coach than Les Steckel. And yes, Les Steckel, for those of you that may may uh, be a little younger, maybe you don't know all the history or whatever. He didn't study it from 61 to today. Les Steckel was the coach in 1984. Yeah, did you notice there were no other years? Yeah, 1984, replaced Bud Grant after 83, which is weird to imagine Bud Grant coached up to 83. Wow, it's kind of hard to imagine, isn't it? Kind of, that was kind of a weird, that was kind of the doldrum years of the Vikings. You don't really hear too much about that team in the in the early 80s, do you? Not much. Well, Les Steckel sucked hardcore. He was kind of way too much. He was a Marine, all that. And the Vikings finished 3-13, and 13, and that was all she wrote. Bud Grant came back for one year, and his offensive coordinator, Jerry Bernsey, gall dang it, F this, F that, and mother, and okay, he didn't quite say mother, but the, yeah, the, the bleep and this, bleep and that. You know, just check out the meltdowns on YouTube. There's some of the funniest things you ever saw. Um, and I was saying we can all agree that he was also better than Brad Childress as well. Um, Drew Bunting says, same goes for my discussions with fans about Teddy. I happen to believe he has to get better with his game, but as soon as they mention his flaws, there is an angry posse of Viking fans outside my house with torches and pitchforks, LOL. It really is funny how fans react to things. Yeah, it is funny. And, you know, this is the country right now. Let's just pitchfork anybody we don't agree with. You know? You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? It's particularly on a certain side of the aisle, but I suppose the other side sometimes gets that way, but not nearly as much. Okay, there I go. There I go. But read between the lines. I don't know. You don't have to agree with me, okay? You don't have to. And those of you that don't agree with me politically, but still listen to this show and still have me as a friend on Facebook, God bless you, and thank you very much. I mean that in full sincerity. I mean full sincerity. (laughs) Seriously. I really appreciate all of you. I mean, going all the way back to Tony Coleman, the original, really, he was like the original guy out there on the sportsstuff.com twine ball. So I, I, I know he listens. Hope I, you know, I just hope I don't scare anybody away, you know, that may or may not agree with me politically. And I shouldn't even get political on this show. I don't even mean to. It just, I'm sorry, you know, I, I really am. Uh, and I said, yeah, I can't stand the Kool-Aid drinking, blah, blah, blah. The town is filled with it. And then he basically says, I've, all I've ever said about Teddy is that I'm not sold on him yet. I have faith he can get it done, especially the way Zimmer has built this team. Strong D and running back. I get frustrated with all the Teddy excuses from fans, the O-line, the receivers. Well, I think they're, I think they are um, legitimate arguments, as long as it's not just flat out Teddy could do no wrong. Yeah, I, I don't agree with that, but I think you know, well the receivers were decent. I mean, shoot, you had some good ones. And you had miscues with Mike Wallace, which drove us all crazy. I mean, you always wonder what would have been if there were connections with Mike Wallace. The Vikings might have been 12-4, and four, and Teddy might have had some really sexy numbers. Absolutely. The old line though, I mean, I don't know, man. I mean, it, it certainly hurt Warren Moon in 94 also, but then again, we're talking 22 years ago here. Shame on me. <laughs> but it still counts. <clears throat> the bottom line is he needs to get better on third down. Yes. And in the red zone, and with holding the ball through long, three facts that can't be denied, and I don't deny them. I, I agree. And a part of that's youth, and part of that's, I don't know, part of that's he's not maybe, you know, he's not like, he's not Tom Brady. He's not just boom, boom, boom. You know, maybe he's not 100% natural at everything the way some guys are. Um, but I, I, th- I really have a good feeling about Teddy Bridgewater. He lives football. Unlike, unlike a Culpepper, you know, every time he threw a touchdown pass, he looked like he was at a dance club. And some of that's too much, because that just tells me that's one of the things he likes to do. Teddy Bridgewater does not tell me that's what's one of the things he likes to do. He likes to watch and study. He's a true captain of the team, Teddy, uh, Teddy Bridgewater. That's what I really like about him. Just certain things, little knickknacks here and there. He's not looking for the party. He's looking for the jewelry. And I'm not talking about going to the jewelers either. I'm talking about the kinds you earn. Uh, after winning a championship. I'm getting that drive from Teddy, and I didn't get that from a quarterback on this team other than Brett Favre. So that's a good sign. I, I, I just never got that vibe from Culpepper. Like, winning the Super Bowl to him was cool and awesome, and it's party time. you know. And there's nothing wrong with that, I suppose, as long as you do win. But it didn't work out for, uh, didn't work out for Cam Newton, though, did it? Oh, gosh darn it. It really didn't work out for him. Uh, okay. He says, doesn't mean I hate the guy about Teddy Bridgewater or think that he's not capable. It just means he has to improve with 
let's see, with the way we are built, he doesn't need to be Brady or Brady. And, and no, he doesn't. Uh, he doesn't because uh, he isn't that type of quarterback. At least right now, he isn't. And if he does develop into a franchise type of quarterback, maybe not as good as Brady or Breeze, but very good. This is going to be uh, one of those teams, guys. See, one of those teams you talk about every year. Is this the year they're going to win a Super Bowl? Is this the year they're going to win their second one? You know, okay, I won't go that far. So let's get into visitor post. Really nice conversation with Mr. Uh, Drew Bunting. Really awesome indeed. Uh, see if I can ever get caught up to where I need to be. I hate how this works sometimes. Whoa, that's way too far back. Okay, so we are caught up. That was nice. Al Stidikai. Uh, Ali, I just called him Al, but I guess you could call him that too. He is a writer at ProFootballSpot.com. Always posts on, on Purple Mafia and other Facebook pages, including I'll give a shout out to Sebastian Balls, the host and creator of the Purple Press Box on YouTube out there. And I keep forgetting the other software. He says, damn, I can't... Uh, speaker. Speaker, I believe. I, I think that's an app, but it's mostly on YouTube. I wonder if I called it SoundCloud. It's not SoundCloud, but yeah, uh... Gotta love Sebastian. He's going to be on this show again at some point. Maybe even another audio submission or live together, me and him. You know, that type of deal. Uh, post an article about will the Vikings break their curve soon? It could happen. And I think it can. And it's a good article. Do check it out. And how the Cleveland Cavaliers won the NBA Finals. Yep. And that was, oh, that was so awesome. You know, I'm going to say this real quick since we are one of those teams out there that seems to be, you know, like there's a big drought type of thing and stuff mad stuff just miraculously falls apart at the last second or should I say anti-miraculously. Well, it seems like the ultimate way for curses to end are the ultimate, most difficult, the steepest mountain possible to climb. Boston Red Sox down three games to zero against the New York Yankees in 2004 in the ALCS, American League Championship Series. The team they could never beat, ever, after the curse of the Bambino in 19, uh, 19, well, 1918 was their last World Series. The trade took place, I believe, in 1919. Think about that. 1919, that's almost 100 years ago now, but to end a curse, <laughs> to end a curse that lasted, what, how many years? Uh, I can't, 86 years. You end it by making a a comeback from down three games to zero against the very team, the very team that you could never beat and the greatest team in the history of professional sports to be able to pull that off and win, of course, game seven on the road to accomplish that as well. Amazing. Look at the Cleveland Cavaliers. 73-win team, the Golden State Warriors. Oh, the class of basketball, the most exciting team ever, the greatest this, the greatest that, and the cockiest team ever too. But that's another note for Timberwolves' explosion. No team has ever come back from three games down in the NBA Finals. No team has won Game 7 since 1978. Cavaliers perform both, and they end the drought of 50-plus years for their for their first professional championship in Cleveland and their very first NBA title. It ends by climbing the steepest possible mountain, and that's how you do it. Are the, I think that's how the Vikings' curse will end, the steepest possible mountain, and maybe, and maybe at the end of the day, the steepest top possible mountain to get back to the Super Bowl like in the case for the Red Sox, well, hopefully, yeah, and, and and finishing things off, possibly, in U.S. Bank Stadium. The most storybook ending to a curse to take place in, in U.S. Bank Stadium. Why do I have a feeling that's going to happen? I don't know, but I think the Vikings, I, I think in the next few years, the Vikings are going to win a Super Bowl, and it will be the most dramatic, most unexpected, most excited, exciting, uh, most beautiful scenario possible. That's how curses end. Possibly the Chicago Cubs will do it as well. The most crazy, impossible thing you ever saw. Maybe the Vikings will be down 27-0 in Lambeau Field in the NFC Championship game. Or something like that. The team that's always kind of mocking us and this and that. Or maybe in the Meadowlands, since we always seem to lose there. Or something like that. Maybe we're losing to Seattle in, uh, uh, what the hell, the name of that field. Damn it, anyway. It's like I'm just kind of going on the fly here with that, because it doesn't matter at this point. But just imagine... The Vikings trailing by a huge number against Seattle, a place we never win. Then they make this insane comeback and win, and then go on and just just coast to a championship in U.S. Bank Stadium. Just imagine if something like that happened. But maybe that's exactly what's coming up. You can tell I'm kind of excited about that possibility, can't you? Uh, another coach actually has died as well uh, about a month ago. Well, about three weeks before Dennis Green. Buddy Ryan, a guy that some people compared him to in terms of... Uh, uh, playoff history. Just, you know, good regular seasons and not good in the playoffs. 
Buddy Ryan, of course, the father of Rex Ryan and, a, and the very accomplished defensive coordinator for the 85 Bears and such. It was amazing. Um, but an interesting post from the Star Tribune from Brent Jacobson about Buddy Ryan there. Really appreciate that. I didn't even click like. And I apologize, Brent. I know you're still out there, buddy. I'm tired. I, I mean, I'm tired of being bad like that. I really apologize for that. And Sebastian saying, can't wait to meet you in person, Joey. And it says, uh, I'm not sure where the 60 is coming from. What's the 60 about? I apologize if for being ignorant on this. As Vikings versus Chargers, there's a 60. What, what's the 60 mean, Sebastian? Hmm. But, yep, you can't wait to see me. I hope I can make it. I can't guarantee it. I, I know that sounds real dorky. Uh, Brent Jacobson making fun of Carl Gerbschmidt about bring me the news. Yep, about breaking the windows at uh, U.S. Bank Stadium. Yep, this is pretty recent. Very recent, in fact, this past week. How about that? Just like, what the hell, three days before Grand Hogan and Fanals break a window at U.S. Bank Stadium. Yeah, that's insane, isn't it? What do you think U.S. Bank Stadium is? It's windows, all right. And it ain't Windows. Uh, it ain't Windows 10. Okay, yeah, that was not funny. Sorry, but yep, he's saying what's it with Carl Gerbschmidt? Oh, I love you, Brent. I love you. You know I do, right? Yep, and I got to put the haha. I don't know why. I'm sorry I didn't click like. And of course, he wasn't like uh, posting a lot of nice pictures. Um, he was touring the U.S. Bank Stadium. Just, just look at the lights shining through that that place. I don't know. There's nothing like looking and seeing blue sky sticking through the. That back wall there. How cool is that? And that's just the back wall. Imagine the, the front. When you're looking at the front on a nice clear sky day. And the, look at that amazing and just sparkling locker room. With that big old Viking logo on the top. And those nice lights. And the purple and black and silver. Beautiful place. And thank you, Brent. You got to see that in person. And all the other stuff on the wall there. The, the Viking shields and the V. and Pretty awesome. I don't know why I just bumped the wrong button there. But yeah, that's awesome stuff. Awesome stuff, indeed. Um, great pictures, Brent, and I hope you had a good time there, buddy. And I know Sebastian was there. I know uh, I know others were there. Why am I forgetting the guy's name? Uh, Jordan Walters. Yeah, I apologize. Yeah, I know the name. And yeah, he's very, what a nice guy, too. He's like just, he, he messaged me sometimes saying, hey, how's it going? And oftentimes I'm always busy with lawns or something. And uh, Ali posting an article about Dennis Green's passing. That wrapped up, and thank you for that always. And very sad indeed. Do, do check out Ali's work, though, on ProFootballSpot.com. Really nice writer, and uh, yeah, always has a lot of good articles keeping up with the Vikings out there, and he keeps uh, keeps the pulse going on that Purple Mafia page. He, he, he really does. So, um, uh, yeah, Jordan Walter is a really nice guy, though, too. Got to give him a shout-out. Hope he's become a listener, and he's been on uh, Purple Press Box as well to get him started in the podcasting world. You know, good, good luck, and enjoy. Hope you're enjoying yourself. Maybe I'll have him on here sometime, maybe, or don't be afraid to call in 209-736-7877. Sebastian, Jordan, any of you. Brent, Brent missed you a lot. You know, maybe talk about Dennis Green. Talk about the stadium. Yeah, talk about the stadium. Give me a little summary, you know, a brief little summary of how you feel about it, Brent, if you're listening, which I, I hope I haven't scared him away yet, right? <laughs> uh, this is the most wild, radical political season we've ever seen. Hope we don't scare each other away because we're all we're all a little bit different, even though we might be on the same aisle, kinda. But we're all a little different. I mean, not everybody likes everybody, that type of thing. Just read between the lines there. So I, I apologize for even getting into it. It just is what it is, you know. I, I value your friendship a lot. I value you guys' friendship that that talked to me, the Mark Carlsons and and uh, Gerald Strings and, and uh, Sebastian, of course, Jordan. You know, new guy, new guy, but a real nice guy. Uh, I did mention Brent, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm bouncing all over the place. Uh, Dave Hickey. I mean, I could go on forever. Ali, you know, Ali, too. All of you guys out there, thank you so much for your conversation. Drew Bunting, too, relatively new friend out there. Big Viking fan in Northern California. Good to know you out there. Uh, why am I forgetting? Uh, there's so many people. I, it's like I feel bad not mentioning them. I mean, I could go off and just name like 100 people. <laughs> I could. So... For the sake of the listeners, maybe I shouldn't do it too much, even though I'm sure you'd like to hear your name mentioned, uh, and uh, and you'll hear your name mentioned as well many times. So during the course of the season, just keep posting, and you'll hear your name quite a bit. So for those of you enjoying the offseason, enjoy the summer, keep it up, and uh, training camp's coming right up. Just had to get this show out, kind of maybe get caught up with the Facebook page, which is good. Now we're caught up there. That's always helpful. Uh, could just jump right straight into training camp. Had to talk about Denny. Uh, much debated, up and down, you know, relationship with the guy with the media, 
and the fan base and such. You know, the whole deal where, you know, the whole no comment about Randy Moss. You know, I, I didn't even get into that in 2001 because it just was, there's so much drama. I play what I want to play and Chris Carter being what he was, as good as he was, he kind of got malcontent at the end. He became a malcontent at the end. Kind of drove a lot of people crazy. So with that, I better just be quiet and let it go. I mean, the past is the past. Let's hope for uh, some very wonderful times in U.S. Bank Stadium and finally hoist the Lombardi Trophy. One of these years, maybe this year, who knows? We'll just uh, get to that when the time comes, I suppose. (laughs) Stay warm, stay cool, whatever it is, do enjoy. And we'll be back very soon to talk about training camp, preseason, and all that wonderful good stuff. Until then, go Vikings, skull Vikings, and talk to you then. (laughs) 